and tea. Dickens dotted his final I, brandished his pages and stood. Topping, I've just this moment finished the new number. What good news, sir? Dickens took a roll and tore a bite out of it, his hunger returning. Everything, the whole house, seeped back into his awareness. Oh, glorious Devonshire Terrace, a house of great promise, at a great premium, undeniable situation and excessive splendor. He was glad for the great garden outside, the clatter of crockery and clanging of tins in the kitchen downstairs, the chatter and play of his children somewhere above, and here was Topping, right in front of him, vivid as ever, in his usual tie and clean shirt sleeves, instead of a livery, with no sense of impropriety, and a kindly expression that asked what more he might do, because doing was what he liked best. He was the longest-lived of the household servants, and Dickens regarded him most like family of them all, something between the father he'd always wanted and the brother he wished his were. Oh, Topping, he leaned in, clutching his pages. I believe I have once again stumbled upon perfection. Topping squinched his eyes as a way of smiling without showing his teeth, which went in every direction except straight up and down. Dickens felt a great affection for him, for everyone, even the handsome house itself, which had subdued itself all day in the service of his art. He was sure he had Topping to thank for it. A sustained holler from the bedroom upstairs announced Catherine Dickens in the full tilt of a labour of her own. The two men looked up and held their breath until it stopped. Dickens smiled with one corner of his mouth, wistful. Another child was nearly born, he knew, if stubbornly resisting its arrival into the world. I suppose it altogether too much to think Catherine would hear it now he said with a playful frown. Topping's caterpillar brows arched and fell in ironic agreement. Well, sir, Masters Chapman and Hall are downstairs. Chapman and Hall here? Dickens returned the half-eaten roll to the tray and trusted his pages to Topping. He sprang for the mirror to quick comb his hair, fasten his green velvet waistcoat and fluff his blue satin cravat. Apparently even my publishers cannot wait to know what happens next. They do sit a bit on the edge of their seats, sir. Splendid. I shall read it to them. Topping looked at the pages, curious. May I ask, does Chuzzlewit's man, Tapley, have this month a line or two? Or three or four? Dickens turned with a wink, retrieved the pages and tapped them three times for luck. I think it far and away my finest book. Topping blinked in solidarity and stood aside. Dickens rounded the brass ball at the banister and skittered down the stairs by twos. He had that feeling of finishing that had always been for him like floating, air under his feet and lungs like full sails. It seemed wrong to be going down when he should be soaring instead, but down he went, Pages tight under his arm, edges ruffling as if with their own excitement. He thought it only his due, Chapman and Hall at his door instead of him at theirs. And so, like an actor expecting an audience squeezed into the pit and overflowing the gallery, he bounded into the drawing room to greet them, 
only to find the publishing partners sitting stiffly in a pair of pink parlor chairs, looking like cold, fried souls. Chapman! Hall! Dickens offered his hand as the partners stood. What a surprise! I hope not an unpleasant one, said Hall, with his fingertips only handshake, limp as old lettuce. Certainly not. Dickens gave Chapman a warm double-hander. Of course, normally you wouldn't be the first to hear it, but never mind that. He stepped onto his favorite footstool and bowed theatrically, stirring the air with his pages. Gentlemen, I give you the next installment of everything that matters. Charles, interrupted Hall, we've come on a matter of grave importance. Dickens peeked over his pages. Hall gripped his top hat with sharp white knuckles. Chapman mopped his beading brow.